We turn this morning to Jeremiah chapter 1, and the title of our message today is Formed for the Master's Plan. Jeremiah chapter 1, going to begin reading at verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord touched out, rest, or excuse me, then the Lord stretched out his hand and Touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well. For I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north the evil will break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling on all the families of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they will come. And they will set each one his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem and against all its walls round about and against all the cities of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness whereby they have forsaken me and have offered sacrifices to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. Now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all of which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. And behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, and as a pillar of iron, and as walls of bronze against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the one who has formed us, the one who has created us, the one who has given us life, the one who has given us salvation, the one who has given us purpose, the one who has given us hope. And I pray, Lord, that we would embrace today what it means that you have made us in your image, that you have a purpose for every single one of us. Lord, would you guide us into your truth? We believe that your word is everlasting truth. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I went to college back in the 70s. And when I was going to school, it was common for some students to say that they were there trying to find themselves. And I looked online and that's still a common thing, and I discovered all kinds of ways that you can find yourself. Uh, one article had 13 steps uh, 
to find yourself. How are you going to remember all of those things? Uh, Thirteen steps to find yourself. I'm still not sure what people meant back in the 70s. They were trying to find themselves. But I did observe that many of them did, have, did not have a clue as to why they were here on this earth. And many of them still don't have a clue why they are here on this earth. They have no real purpose in life. I saw a bumper sticker uh, several years ago. came out of the hospital after I was visiting someone. And on the bumper it said this, I'm still trying to find myself. If you see me anywhere, please let me know. <laughs> still trying to find myself. Well, in this first chapter of Jeremiah, we see a young man who describes himself as a youth. So I don't know what a youth meant. Maybe a, maybe a teenager. A young man who clearly knew why he was here. And it wasn't because he found himself. Rather, it was just the opposite. It's because God had found him, right? God had created him. God had found this young man. God came to Jeremiah and he told him, Jeremiah, I've got a purpose for your life. I have formed you in the womb. I knew you even before you were conceived. I formed you in the womb and I've called you to be a prophet. And I believe the same is true for you and I as well. God has a calling for you. God has a purpose for you. God created you because He has a plan for your life. And we need to embrace that truth today that every single person who walks the face of this earth is created by God, formed by the Master's hands. And He has a purpose for your life. So there's four things I want you to notice about this plan. Do you notice, first of all, that God formed you at the proper time. I skipped the first three verses as I read this passage of Scripture, not because it was unimportant, but I want to really focus on that. Look at the context of Jeremiah's prophecy. Because it's very important that we notice the time in which he ministered. Verse 2 says that the word of the Lord first came to Jeremiah in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Now remember, remember that number, the 13th year of Josiah's reign. If we go back to Second Chronicles 34, we learn that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Now, I don't know if, if you have trouble picturing that, but <laughs> an eight-year-old on the throne. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of his father David, didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year... He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim, the carved images, and the molten images. The eighth year of his reign, he was 16. He began to seek the Lord. 
And that had a significant impact on his life because four years later, in the twelfth year of his reign, at the age of 20, he began a very significant reformation in Judah. And just a year later, the thirteenth year of Josiah's reign, along comes another young man by the name of Jeremiah. So here you have this godly young king, Josiah, and this godly young prophet, Jeremiah, and they were in this together. They both were seeking to turn the nation back to God, and I believe they were a great encouragement to one another. So at the time that a godly young king was seeking to bring a reformation in Judah, God sent a godly young prophet to encourage this godly young king. I think that is significant. And I remember when I was going to college back in the 70s, when there were other Christians in the classroom, that was a real encouragement. Because if one would you know, ask a question or divert the attention to the Lord, you knew that there was going to be another one who would do the same thing. It was just like saying, sick them. <laughs> Come on, let's, we're, we're in this together. And that's what Josiah needed. He needed a prophet like Jeremiah. And God formed him at that time to be an encouragement to Josiah. And the nation needed this, didn't they? <laughs> They needed a godly king. They needed a godly prophet because they were a rebellious people at this time in history. And they were headed for judgment. And and at that time then, God brought Jeremiah who faithfully proclaimed the word of God for over 40 years. He started in about 627 B.C., and he prophesied until about 586 B.C., over 40 years. And he didn't see a lot of results. <laughs> but he was a man who was faithful to proclaim the Word of God in spite of the results, because the results belong to God anyhow. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that God has placed you here for such a time as this? Why weren't you created a hundred years ago somewhere else? Why has God put you on this earth at this time and has brought you to this place? Do you think God has his hand in that? How many would say yes? Absolutely. And I think the scripture bears that out. Uh, Paul, when he was preaching in Athens... Here's what he said, that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So God has determined not just where you were born and where you live, but when you were born and when you live. Have you ever thought about that? You are here for such a time as this. How about Esther? 
Remember when Mordecai came and said, you need to go and talk to the king. There is a threat against the nation, against the people of Israel, the Jews. And he reminded her that she had been born for such a time as this. David understood that. Paul says in Acts 13, verse 36, that David served the purpose of God in his own generation. He understood that for that generation, for that period of time, God had placed him there for a purpose. And I believe when you begin to understand that and you embrace that truth, that will change the way that you live. That will change the way that you live. We need to embrace that truth. That we are here at the proper time. This is God's time for us to be used in this culture, in this nation, in this city, wherever you live. God has formed you at the proper time. The second truth we notice here, God formed you for a particular purpose. Verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations, God told Jeremiah. You know, the word translated formed was used to describe the work of a potter. Have you ever worked on a potter's wheel? Huh? Take that lump of clay and I don't know what you made, maybe a vase or a bowl or a cup. That's what God said he had done with Jeremiah. I've formed you. I've shaped you. I've molded you for a purpose. And we read from Psalm 139 this morning. There is probably no clearer passage of Scripture that describes God's handiwork in creating us. You formed my inward parts, David says. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And think of this, and in your book, all the days were written for me. Even before I was born, even before one of them came to be. Isn't that interesting? God knows exactly how many days we're going to live. I'm glad I don't know. Wouldn't that be weird to get up in the morning? Okay, 1,433 days left. It's getting a little closer. We don't know that, but God knows that. He is intimately acquainted with all our ways. Formed us for A purpose. God doesn't form us in the womb. And then when he is done, he says, now what am I going to do with this person? Now that I've made this person, what am I going to do with that person? It isn't that way at all. God forms us with a purpose in mind. Not like me when I was doing the potter's wheel in grade school. I had no idea what I was going to make. I just started, you know, 
putting my hands this way and that way. And I remember my art teacher, she probably saw, uh, this kid doesn't really get this. So she said, what are you making? And I said, I don't really know, but I'll tell you when I'm done. (laughs) God does not do that. God formed you with a purpose in mind. Just like Jeremiah. He said, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, it's wonderful that God's purpose became clear to Jeremiah when he was just a young man. He was just a youth. And he had all those years to live his life out for the purpose that God has made him. But if you're beyond your youth and you aren't sure what God's purpose is for you, it isn't too late. It is not too late at all. Moses didn't really come to grips with God's purpose for his life until he was how old? Eighty. (laughs) God gave him 40 years to fulfill that purpose for him. So if you aren't a spring chicken anymore, God still has a purpose for your life. And I encourage you to embrace embrace that. He's made you just the way He wanted you to be. Now that can be a struggle sometimes to accept that because we all look at ourselves and we can point to things about ourselves that we don't like, you know. Maybe our nose is too long or our whatever, you know. We look at ourselves and say, well, Lord, you know, you could have done maybe a little bit more fashioning with this part of my body or whatever. But God has fashioned us He has made us just the way He wanted us to be so He can accomplish His purpose through us. And when you come to that place where you say, Okay, Lord, I accept the way I am. I am Your handiwork. You have made me the way I am. And You have a purpose for my life. Show me and I'm willing to follow. I trust You've come to that place to say, Lord... At this time, you've made me for this purpose. And I want to follow you and and to serve you. There's a third thing we notice here. God formed you for a personal relationship with him. When Jeremiah first heard of God's plan for his life, he was fearful. And so he he had a few excuses. (laughs) Never have any excuses for God, right? Lord says, here's what I want you to do. And you say, well, i got a few things you need to know about me first, Lord, before you really think you're going to use me. And so here's Jeremiah. In verse 6, he says, alas, Lord God. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it's kind of like, you've got to be kidding, God. Behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. And so there's two concerns there. He's saying, God, I I lack experience and I lack eloquence. I am too young and I don't know how to preach. I suppose he hoped that this would disqualify him and God would say, oh yeah, that's right. Well, I'll find someone else. Guess what? God doesn't find someone else, does he? He he doesn't have uh, accepted excuses. Uh, Moses uh, had a few, didn't he? Over and over, he had all kinds of excuses, and one of them was very similar to Jeremiah's. He said, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent. 
Neither recently nor in time past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I wonder how many people who have been called into ministry have said the same thing. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to speak. I'm scared to be in that was my I was scared thinking of, of standing in front of people and speaking. You might not believe that now, but I'll tell you what. When there were ladies in our congregation who said, Are you gonna be a puppy? That's finished for pastor. Are you gonna be a puppy like your dad? Oh no. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I can identify with Jeremiah. And I can identify with Moses. I'm too young and I don't know how to speak. But God was not going to accept that. He said, verse 7, don't, don't say I'm a youth. Jeremiah, don't even say, don't even go there. Because everywhere I send you, you're going to go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. He said, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord says, okay, you who don't know how to speak, I I just put my words in your mouth. I have equipped you. I have created you for this purpose. And so don't say, I'm too young, because I have called you. It doesn't matter who you are, Jeremiah. What matters is who I am, right? And that's really the key when God calls us. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is who He is, right? Any amens on that, huh? It matters who He is. If it matters who we are, if we think that, then where are we looking? We're looking here instead of there. And when you look here instead of there, that's when you run into problems. If you approach ministry like this, I've got this. Look out. Anybody who's going to rely on their own abilities and own fleshly wisdom and so forth, look out. doesn't matter who you are, Jeremiah. What matters is who who I am. As long as you have my personal presence in your life, you don't need to be afraid. Jeremiah must have been afraid. Otherwise, the Lord wouldn't have mentioned that, right? He must have been fearful. God says, as long as you have me, you don't need to be afraid. Now, did that mean it was going to be easy? (laughs) I don't think so. Because in verse 19, the Lord said to Jeremiah, they will fight against you. Okay, you just need to know that, okay? They will fight against you, but notice again what God said to him. They will fight against you, but they're not going to overcome you. Why? For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now, it probably would have been easier if Jeremiah could have chosen his audience, right? Uh, Some people are just much nicer than the ones to whom Jeremiah was going to preach because God told them they're going to fight against you. They are not going to like what you have to say. And it probably would have been easier if Jeremiah could have chosen his message. Some messages are much easier to preach than the message that Jeremiah was going to preach. 
Look at how God described his ministry in verse 10. He says, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, and then finally to build and to plant. That's quite a ministry. You're plucking up and breaking down and destroying and overthrowing. One author says that Jeremiah would have stood out like a funeral director at a wedding (laughs) with such a message that he proclaimed. And he had to tell the nation of Judah that judgment was coming. There was this boiling pot that was flowing from the north, a picture of the judgment that would come upon the nations. And he said... (laughs) I'll pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness. They've forsaken me. They've sacrificed to other gods. And then in verse 17, he says, Now gird up your loins. Right? Pull yourself up. Get up and speak to them, all of which I command you. So neither the audience nor the message was one that Jeremiah would have chosen But God made it clear to him that it wasn't for him to decide, was it? It wasn't like, okay, Lord, I'll go for you as long as you send me here, or as long as you call me to do this. Verse 7, God told him, everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. And if you look at verse 18... You see what a difference God's presence would make in Jeremiah's life. He said, I have made you today as a fortified city. I have made you as a pillar of iron. I have made you as walls of bronze. (laughs) I have given you a firmness that no matter what they do to you, I am with you and I am going to strengthen you in the midst of whatever you face. My personal presence will be with you. And there have been times in my life, times in my ministry, I say, Lord, I I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm not sure I can handle this. And God reminds us over and over, you can't in yourselves, but I am with you. And I'm going to strengthen you. And I will be there in the midst of all that you face. I think of Moses, remember in Exodus chapter 33. He said to the Lord in verse 12, You say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you'll send with me. He said, I've, you, you tell me, I've, know, I, I've known you by name and, and you found favor in my sight. If I found favor in your sight, then... How am I going to face this? Verse 14, God says, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And then, he, then Moses said to the Lord, If your presence doesn't, presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. Right? Do you understand what he's saying there? God, if you, are, if you aren't going to go with me, don't even send me. That's not an unwillingness on the part of Moses to follow God's will. That is a recognition of how desperately he needed the Lord in his life and in his ministry. And I would say the same thing. Lord, if you're not going to go with me, don't send me. 
But if you're going to go with me, then I'm fine. Because God, you will provide all that I need. The final thing we notice, and this is quite amazing, God formed you for a powerful influence. Before God called Jeremiah to be his prophet, I don't think he had a clue about the kind of influence that he would have. Beyond his family, beyond his community, beyond his nation, Jeremiah was born to have an international impact on the world. Because, verse 5, look at, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Verse 10, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Can you imagine what went through Jeremiah's mind when here he is, this young man who thinks he can't preach and God says, you are going to have an impact on the nations of the world. If I was Jeremiah, I'd say, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean? A prophet to the nations? Appointed me this day over the nations and over the kingdoms? If God's call was to you like that, would you be excited or scared? Maybe both, huh? Well, I don't know what the Lord has planned for you. But if you're willing to follow Him, you might be surprised. He might work through you in ways that you may have never expected. Ways that are beyond what you would imagine that God would do through your life if you're willing to say, Okay, Lord, you have a plan for me. You have created me for a purpose and and I'm going to follow that plan. I'm willing to to lay my life before you today, Lord. I might not even be a teenager anymore. Maybe I'm like Moses, getting closer to 80. But Lord, I'm yours. And would you fulfill your purpose in my life? And I can tell you this. If you are willing to follow where God leads you, you will experience two things. Number one, you'll find great joy. Because when you're in the center of God's will, that's where you find joy. When you are out of the will of God, you don't find joy there. So if you are willing to say, Lord, I'll follow you, you will find great joy. And God will use you. God will use you in some way to make a difference in some person's life, maybe many people's lives, as you're willing to lay down your life for the Lord. We are going to sing in closing a hymn. And I'm going to read you the words because I want you to hear it twice. Only one life. Only one life to offer. Jesus, my Lord and King. Only one tongue to praise Thee and of Thy mercy sing. Only one heart's devotion, Savior, O may it be. Consecrated alone to Thy matchless glory, yielded fully to Thee. Only this hour is mine, Lord. May it be used for Thee. May every passing moment count for eternity. 
Souls all about are dying, dying in sin and shame. Help me bring them the message of Calvary's redemption in Thy glorious name. Only one life to Dear Lord, I pray, nothing from Thee withholding, Thy will I now obey. Thou who hast freely given Thine all and all for me, claim this life for Thine own to be used, my Savior, every moment for Thee. How many lives do you have? You're not like a cat. You don't have nine lives. You just got one, right? Only one life to offer. And whether you're a teenager whether you're middle-aged, whether you're in your sunset years or wherever you, whatever you call them, surrender it to Jesus. Just say, Lord, for, for how many years, for how many years you give me, Lord, I, I give my life to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have only one life to offer you. A life created in your image. A life that is precious. And Father, I pray that we would embrace the truth of this Scripture today. That you have formed us at this time to be in this place. To fulfill the purpose for which you have made us. And by your power, Lord, to be an influence in the lives of those who come across our pathway each day. Lord, help us to surrender, to give our lives to You, that You might use us, O God, for the glory and the praise of Your name. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.